At this time, we welcome you back to study the Word. We have been looking at this topic, Fear Not, Words of Encouragement. This is the third week for two weeks so far. We should not be afraid because God keeps his promises. We've looked at that. God knows our, our pain. God keeps or knows our problems, not keeps them. God senses our paranoia. That was the first week we looked at it. The second part of the sermon was last week. God is wise to our predicaments. We spent some time in that. And God strengthens us with his presence. And God assures us of his preservation. And today we move forward into some more, maybe three or four points. God undergirds our perseverance and persistence. He sees that we're men for the job, people that are determined to do his bidding. God promises his presence. And thirdly, God assures us of his purpose. And so we're looking firstly at God undergirds our persistence and our perseverance. I pray that we are persistent and persevering in the work of the Lord. I read an example from a preacher in the 1850s. And this is an excerpt from a series on depression and the child of God put together by Dave Cloud, but he draws mostly from Spurgeon and back in the 1850s. And this is what Spurgeon said. It would be a very sharp and trying experience to me to think that I have an affliction which God never sent me, that the bitter cup was never filled by his hand, that my trials were never measured out by him, nor sent to me by his arrangement of their weight and quantity. He also said, If you drink of the river of affliction near its outlet, or outfall he called it, it is brackish and offensive to the taste. What he means by that is like if you drink from the Yarra River in Melbourne, you'd definitely get sick. <laughs> but, he said, if you trace, will trace it to its source, like tracing the Yarra to its source, the Yarra River, follow it up past Warburton, go past East Warburton, you get to the upper Yarra Dam. The first, I think, first reservoir that was put, put for Melbourne's water supply. And Melbourne still drinks it. And it still flows past there. It flowed past one of the farms that Dad owned at Warburton, a spud farm, and up the top was a channel where the water run down. Now it's a pipe. They put a pipe, big pipe in. And it's uh, good water. I like the water from Melbourne reserves. And so he said, drinking from its outlet at the end, you'd get sick. Now that is of affliction. It's brackish and absurd. Uh, 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 Offensive to the taste. If you trace it to its source where it rises at the foot of the throne of God, as far as affliction is concerned, you'll find its waters to be sweet and health-giving. So let's look at the source of the problems. In our present day, let's think, is God in control? And we have to say, because he's provident, he is. 
He's never, he's never let the world get out of control. It's, it's under his hand at all times. He knows what's going on and allows or makes it to occur. And we read on, as long as, I, as long as I trace my pain to accident, my bereavement to mistake, my loss to another's wrong, my discomfort to an enemy, and so on, I am of the earth earthy and shall break my teeth with gravel stones. But when I rise to my God and see his hand at work, I grow calm and have not a word of repining. In another section in this article, he's talking there here about the ministry brings special cares and sorrows as a pastor to pastors and to people, prospective pastors, he was writing this. <clears throat> he said, passionate longings after men's conversion if not fully satisfied, consume the soul with anxiety and disappointment. To see the hopeful turn aside, the godly grow cold, professors abusing their privileges. We've been talking about that on Wednesday night, not taking advantage of our liberties. Professors abusing their privileges, that's not professors as in university, but professing Christians abusing their privileges, and sinners waxing more bold to sin, are not these sights enough to crush us to the earth? If he lived today, I wonder what he would say about society today. We're 150, 40, 150 years or more than that removed from when he wrote this article. I read on, the kingdom comes not as we would, but reverend name is not hallowed as we desire, and for this we must weep. God is not honoured. How can we be otherwise than sorrowful, while men believe not our report, and the divine arm is not revealed? All mental work tends to weary and to depress, for much study is weariness of the flesh. But ours is more than mental work, it is heart work. The labour of our innermost soul. How often on Lord's Day evenings do we feel as if life were completely dashed out of us? He's talking about pastors preaching on the week, on the week, on Sunday, and then at the end of it, they're worn out. After pouring out our souls over congregations, we feel like empty earthen pitchers which a child may break. And so, what an apt description of our day we could easily despair being locked down and locked out and locked away in victoria as they are and some at some time here and even as we have our online evening service my concern as a pastor for the congregation is will they continue in their profession of faith are they real are they fair dinkum just as he mourned for people and how they turned away and to, to the world and become occupied with it and, and overwhelmed by the things that are happening, not only in our country, but all around the world with elections taking place, and elections going in the direction that are, that are not in a conservative way. It, it concerns us. But God is in control. He has a plan for this world, for the leaders of the world, for the governments of the world, for different countries. He's got purposes for raising them up. 
Some might be to protect Israel, as we know America has done that. God has raised them up to protect them. How long, how much longer that'll happen remains to be seen. But we do know in the Bible they are protected by Europe eventually. And Antichrist, the leader who signs a deal with them. But things change and we are concerned. But God is in control in all the circumstances we face in life. Don't forget that. Remember that always. <clears throat> we go to our first point now. That was an introduction. And we go to our first point and look at God undergirds our persistence and our perseverance. And this we find in our reading from this morning in Nehemiah chapter 4. Reading again or looking back at verse 1 to 3. It came to pass at Sanballat when he heard that we were building the wall, he was wroth. Now in Nehemiah... They're building the wall. They built this wall in 52 days. And if you go to Jerusalem and see some of the height and size of these walls, without a crane, without machines to move things around, they built the wall. It had been decimated by Nebuchadnezzar and it had been laid in ruins 70 years earlier. In Ezra, which comes before Nehemiah, they were building the temple. That took 50 years, not 50 days. And so these people were working at it really hard. And the <clears throat> neighbouring people, Sanballat for one, was wroth. He took great indignation and mocked the Jews. You know, there are some people, there are probably a lot of people in this world that mock what Christians are trying to do today, persisting to hold to that old-fashioned gospel Persisting to hold to the word of God and nothing else, they say. Per persisting to preach every weekend, go to church. Don't you know that's outdated? Persisting to believe that, we, that the creation was only 6,000 years ago and the world is only that old? You must be bonkers, they say. They say people that believe that sort of thing are something wrong mentally with them. You can see where this is going, can't we? And what the world is saying. And Sanballat had great indignation and they mock. They mock people that believe these, these truths that we believe. Well, one day they won't be the mockers, but Christians would be if we would do that sort of thing to them. But we'll have pity on them because they'll be on the wrong side of the great gulf that's fixed. They'll be on the other side in the flames of hell, just like it says in Scripture... And they won't be mocking in that day. They'll be pleading that God might get them out of there and there's no hope. And it's eternal. These mockers one day will have their day here but not there in eternity. They were mocking the Jews. And remember there was only about 50,000 Jews and a few of the ones that stayed there in, in Israel that had returned from, from Babylon 50 years prior to this. And he spoke before his brethren in verse 2 and, <clears throat> and the army of Samaria. Seems like the Samaritans have been a thorn in the flesh there. You see, the Samaritans were newcomers to the block on this day because these were people that stayed behind and intermarried with the locals and others from the area and they become Samaria. 
the West Bank as we know it, and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? hear Hear the people today saying, what are these silly Christians doing? What are these feeble Christians doing? What do they think? They think there's still a God? Have a look around. Evolution is the way to believe, and there is no God. He doesn't care. Oh, they're so wrong. They're so wrong. What are these feeble Christians doing? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Uh, Yeah, we will fortify ourselves in the strength of the Lord as we persist in his word. We'll see the answers of the Lord come to us. Our prayers will be answered, though they be long time coming and though they might be answered after we've gone from this earth. Keep praying, keep working, keep persisting in the work of God. Don't be discouraged. Fear not. Don't be afraid of these that mock us and put us down and put our work down and say, well, can they fortify themselves? Ah, yes. We have fortified ourselves. Read the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, the armour of God that we take upon ourselves with the sword of the Spirit. Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? These people looking on to Byer and his mates from Samaria were looking on what do they think they're going around like ants they're frantic they're like ants on a hot day just going full bore will they build it in a day mockingly he said it only took them 50 they could see Tobiah could see that the work was going full belt flat out we would say today Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish, seeing they are burned? That's what happened when Nebuchadnezzar came. He burnt the place after he pulled it apart. No, he, pulled, he burnt it and then pulled it apart to get the gold out of the cracks that it fell into and so forth. And, and the Romans did it in 70 AD again. So it wasn't a, but a few hundred years, there was six, about 600 years apart from one destruction to the other. But here they are saying, are they going to get... Make something out of this heap of rubbish, this stuff that's all been burned, the cedars of Lebanon that Solomon built the temple with were all burned, all the wood had burnt, only the stones left. Hey, these stones, don't you know, Jewish people, these stones have been heated and they'll crack open when you start putting pressure on them. This is what these, this Tobiah and his, his fellow um, ridiculers were saying. Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite. Now, that's interesting. An Ammonite. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> You think of the people on the Golan Heights, as we call it, and down lower, Jordanian territory, Jewish territory now, and the, on the north end of it. The, there was Ammon, the people of Ammon, and then there was Moab in the middle, and down lower on the other side of the Dead Sea there was Edom. Where did these people come from? Who did they descend from? Well, Ammon and Moab, the top two, were Lot's two grandchildren to his, well, what would you call them? His children to his own daughters that they got him drunk. These were a thorn in the side to Israel. And here they are mocking the Jews who were the real descendants of Abraham. And Edom, well, they did dastardly things when the Jews were being persecuted and pushed out of Israel by the Babylonians on the captivities and they sold the Jews as slaves. That's the, they're the descendants of Esau. These are all relatives. 
And the relatives won't do you well sometimes. And they'll criticise and knock you. And uh, <laughs> I know, I know that personally. <laughs> what are you doing? Preaching. What a waste of time. You can spend your life other ways. Well, it's been spent almost. You can tell I'm getting old. Getting a bit slow. Going grey, going wrinkly. <laughs> it will be worth it all when the Lord comes to have been involved in his work and the Lord will make that valuation. It's totally up to him. And we read on. We better move. We'll get nowhere here. Verse 4. Hear our... O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head. That's a vindictive prayer to God upon these old relatives all around. And give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity. Let not their sin be blotted out. In other words, don't save these people. They're the enemies of God. Um, we read in verse 6, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half of its height, for the people had a mind to work. Praise God, in fearful times, in times when we are locked out, and locked away, and locked up, as we've said before, and locked down, locked in, locked out, whatever, <laughs> there are people that still have a mind to work. There are people that still want to God's work to go forward. Praise God for those in this church that have determined to do that for this period of almost, what, eight months or so that we've been in this situation. Well, it might be nine months. Praise God that people had a mind to work and to keep the work going and to keep it going in a God-honouring way. Thank God for those people. And if you've not had a mind to work and think, well, I can lay back and I can enjoy the ride here, you're not going to be rewarded in a day to come. Get with it. We, we talked about service on Wednesday night. As servants of the Lord, not cloak and dagger Christians, as we look in Second Peter chapter 2, but servants of the Lord. We've been saved to serve, not to laze around, not to have liberty to do that which we please for ourselves. And these people had a mind to work. They wanted Jerusalem to have its walls. You see, today we don't have walls around cities. We have an army that protects the whole country and goes to war for us. And in those days they had a city and a king in a city and they had a wall around a city for city. Did not have a wall. It was defenseless. It could be taken over by all sorts of robbers easily. People could come in and terrorise them anyone, any house at any time. But with a wall and a gate, and the gates were shut at night so that the enemies couldn't come in, these people wanted to protect themselves. Folks, we need to build a wall around our Christian life in order to be protected from the enemy that wants to come in like a flood. We built the wall and joined it to half its height. Now, to get up half the height of some of those walls around Jerusalem, you'd be pretty good. Or to throw a grapple up over and, and pull yourself up with a rope, you'd still have to be pretty good to half the height. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and maybe the Gibbonites and the Perizzites and all the other rites around there were causing problems, the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the wall of Jerusalem were made up, it went forward, it was progressing quickly, and that the breaches began to be stopped, they said, well, we can't get in there anymore. 
Look, they put the gates up. The wall's half its height. Hey, folk, let's put the walls up. Let's fortify ourselves by the word of God. Let's protect ourselves from the onslaughts of the enemy. Oh, there's things coming and happening today that we do worry about. We are concerned about and we might be afraid about. In this world, we can see the direction that things are going that controlled by governments all around the world is coming into our personal lives where we will not have the freedoms that we have so enjoyed for so long. They're being taken away by stealth, by deception and by lies. You hear some unsaved commentators who are sort of aware of something, what, what's going on here? Can you believe any of the media anymore? Because they're backing the the we might say left side, the non-conservative side of things. They want to bring in dictatorial government. They, of course, want to be the ones that tell everyone what to do and how to do it and where they're allowed to shop and when they're allowed to shop, where they're allowed to travel and how far they're allowed to travel. You hear, you hear it, hear it, hear it, and you become very, could become very f- fearful like in Nehemiah's day. They could have been fearful of Tobiah and Sanballat and uh, <coughs> the Arabians and all these people coming against them let's build a wall god is on our side god has not advocated his throne he's still in control remember that at all times and don't be fearful don't be afraid we could be fearful we as i said we could be afraid i just received something yesterday from the government Uh, make sure you have this is what they've said to us make sure you have a copy of your updated safety plan at your organisation because Safe Work New South Wales inspectors are checking that places of worship have an up to date COVID safety plan and that it is being applied properly inspectors coming to the church we thought that happened in Russia and China and it's under the guise of COVID when there is no cases here and hasn't been for months. That is concerning that they could just walk in in the middle of a service and say, stop, we want to inspect your joint. Are you sitting next to your relatives or are you next to a friend? You shouldn't be sitting there. Anyway, we've got that safety plan in place. We've spaced out half the chairs aren't in the church or they're over there stacked up. But it's concerning when you see that sort of thing. And who would have thought a year ago that that sort of thing would be written to churches around our state? Anyway, we move on. <laughs> They're around and we could be very concerned. And they cons- and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. They're gathering their forces together. The world is gathering the forces together. Unsaved, conservative commentators are saying, it's so much lies out there. So much lies. You know what? You know who's behind all this? Let's not lose sight of it. The devil. He's the father of lies. He's going to bring in his kingdom that only lasts seven years through deceit and lies. You read it in the Bible. 
Read it in Thessalonians, read it in Revelation, read it in Daniel particularly. Read it in the book of Matthew 24 and 25. How does he come to power to govern the world? How do the world leaders let him and welcome him? He comes in by flatteries and by lies. Exactly the things they're doing today worldwide in the media and in governments. What can we say as Christians? Look up for our redemption draweth nigh. The Lord is coming and he's going to save us from this when it gets severe and it might get, it might get severe. We could end up in the clink. <laughs> well, praise God, if that be the case, let us look to him for comfort and strength. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. So they conspire together to come and fight against Jerusalem and fight against common sense and fight against all that is right and true in our day. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. (laughs) We made our prayer to God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Now this took extra strength out of them. They're trying to build a massive wall from all the rubbish. They didn't have stonemasons that were trained. They didn't have people that could go out and, and pick up more big rocks. I mean rocks. Over there, you could talk about rock. This whole building could be one rock that they pulled into place in the original building in Solomon's time. But they, <clears throat> we made our prayer to God and set a watch. So here they're occupied in two occupations. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. The rubbish is building up around the building site. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. We're tripping over everything all the time. We need someone to get rid of the rubbish because there was a lot of leftovers from the old destruction, a lot of broken bits, but only the good bits they were building the wall with. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither shall they see, till we come upon them and slay them and cause the work to cease. It came to pass. <laughs> it reminds me just what I've said. The enemy thinks he's going to corner Christians, he's going to have them all, and he's going to get rid of all the Christians that speak the truth. That's what he's saying here, we'll slay them and cause the work to cease. came to pass that when the Jews who dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence, whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. They were putting fear in the hearts, they were putting ideas in the minds of people COVID's going to get you so is the flu so is old age so is sicknesses so are cancers anything could get us God knows our end he's got it all worked out before we've lived it there set I in the lower places in verse 13 behind the wall and on the high places I even set the people (coughs) after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And the devil thinks he's going to get in the corner of the church. You know what the Lord's going to do? He's going to take the church out. And then the devil have have his way. You think it's bad now. You wait till Christians and the Holy Spirit with, within them is removed. And their spears and these spears families with their swords, these protectors of the build and the builders of the walls their spears and their swords and their bows I probably had to learn to use their bow and arrow again had to learn to do a bit of fencing that's not farmer fencing that's sword fencing 
and uh, train up on how to throw their spear too. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. What does it say here? Be not afraid. Remember, this is a series of sermons on fearing not. Don't be afraid of the world. Don't be afraid of their power, of their money. Look what they do with their money. <laughs> We've heard week after week of different things that are happening. And, and <clears throat> you know, politicians and people in positions of power that buy themselves, what is it? Four watches for 20 grand just this week? You just spare, and they're just a bit of a gift from the taxpayer, of course. And then you hear, hear the billions and billions and billions of dollars that have been handed out. We're going to be in Australia a trillion dollars debt when it's all over with. Be not afraid of them and their power and their money and their resources. They'll run out too for them. We have resources in God that never runs out. His power, his presence never runs out. Remember the Lord who is great. That's what we need to do. Remember the Lord who is great. Don't be afraid of them. Great and terrible. <laughs> and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And so here's Nehemiah telling the people who are laboring full on, building these walls. He said, now you've got to get a spear and you've got to get a sword and you've got to get your bow and arrow. You've got to hold them in one hand and there's the trowel in the other. The trowel in the other. <clears throat> I was quoting Spurgeon before. He built the church there, Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Presently, Peter Masters, Pastor Peter Masters is the pastor of that church. And he puts out an, a, a monthly or bi-monthly called The Sword and the Trowel. The sword and the trowel, we used to get it. I think it's still going out, and I think Spurgeon started it way, way back. And it's still going for a hundred and something years. The sword and the trowel, where do they get it from? Right from this portion of scripture here. In fighting the enemy in a, that is arrayed against us, the world, Satan and sinners, we're fighting for our brethren. We're fighting for those who are related to us, for our families, your sons and your daughters. Folks, if you give up and quit now and the church keeps going for some years, where will your children be? Out there in the world, in the sports field on Sunday, in the workplaces on Sunday, instead of in the church, worshipping the Lord? When it comes their turn to die and go into eternity, will they be in heaven or will they be in hell? We are fighting for our sons and daughters. So let's not be fearful. We've got them to be concerned about. We don't have to worry about ourselves if we're saved, secure in the Lord, you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'd rather die than live, said Paul. It's better up there than down here. But what about the people around us? That's whom we should be concerned about, our families, our brethren, our, our, our relatives, our, our cousins, and our uncles and our aunts, our grandparents, and your sons, as he said, and your daughters, you're doing this for them. You're doing the work of the Lord. You're staying faithful. You're persisting in it, even against all odds, for them and for their sakes and for their future. 
your wives and your houses, even the possessions that are here. If you start thinking through what's happening in the world today, you see it heading in a dictatorial controlled world like China presently with the Muslims, the Uyghurs, they've they've imprisoned and they're retraining them. I'd hate to see how they retrain. And uh, we would be we we could be real concerned and saying this is all heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's heading in the direction that the Bible said it would end up in in the tribulation. It's heading fast, very fast. Came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one to his work. Ah, it didn't stop them for long. They retrained, they regrouped, they they got instructed. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of the servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held the spears. Can you hear what's happening here? Half the workforce, half the work done, half the wall built. At least they got it to half the height. But their workforce has been reduced because others have to watch out for enemies, Tobias, Ammonites coming upon them. The other half worked in the wall wrought in the work and the other half of them held the spears and shields and bows and uh, the habagons and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah they who built on the wall and they who bore burdens with those that laid laded every one with his own hands wrought in the work and with the other hand held a weapon the sword and the trowel for the builders Every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he who sounded the trumpet was by me. So Nehemiah said, "Stay with me." And they didn't have phone drop the enemies out round South Corner. Let's all gather. No, they they had a trumpet, and Nehemiah was there walking around, checking on things, making making sure people had supplies and strengthened and encouraging them. And he and if there's an enemy spying somewhere, let's gather at the South Corner because the enemy's out here. And he'd sound the trumpet. He wouldn't talk on his walkie-talkie. He would, on his phone, he would sound the trumpet. And I said unto the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall far one from another. In whatever place ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort there or thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us, folks. <laughs> there are things happening today as far as doctrine is concerned, that we need to sound the trumpet. Call it for what it is. It's treachery against the word of God. Liberalism and apostasy and music and marriage and all the things that were once stable have been eroded by those that will not preach and dare not preach the truth uh, that they might be criticised. Oh, poor little folk. You need to stand And having done all, as Paul said in Ephesians, to stand in the work of the Lord. Um, So, when you hear the trumpet, when you hear someone warning, the enemy is coming in this, from this direction, through this doctrine, through this thing that is not mentioned in the scripture, gather together and praise God for people that stand up. Let's say the creationist people. Praise God, they've, got, they've done research that we wouldn't, as local fellows, have time to do. 
Praise God for those that study like Dave Cloud. He's sounding the warning in, in, a, in a magazine called O Timothy. Subscribe to it and be warned. He's sounding the trumpets so that people might be able to say, well, I didn't know that was happening. Looking at it, a big picture and a worldwide picture. We need to sound the trumpet when someone goes astray on their doctrine, whether it be one of us or not. And there's many out in the other churches, but we need in our own churches to have one to sound the trumpet and uh, say, the enemy's here, they're conspiring to bring us down. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. <laughs> oh, he kept praying, he kept on following the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so they worked, everyone, with a sword, with a trowel. Verse 19, and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large. We're separated upon the wall one from another. And we here come, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in verse 21 in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Yeah, yeah. No eight-hour day in that day when people have a mind to work, when Christians get behind the church, things happen. When only a few Christians behind the church, fewer things happen. When more people get involved and pray and earnestly labour together and fight for their sons and their daughters and their wives and their houses, then the work goes forward. And in most churches, and maybe even here, I believe people only give a little portion. They give the widow's might instead of the rich man's money that they have. And we are rich. We are rich in this country. And I say, folk, look, it's your own eternal detriment if you don't give to the Lord's work. Your problem in the future. But our problem now, because fewer are getting behind. We could support more missionaries. We could have the work of the Lord grow here, reaching out. We've had opportunity to put tracks out twice this year. Done apart from the regular offerings... But there is a shortfall. There is a shortfall of money in paying that off. But I know people have asked, a few people have asked, well, how much, Pastor? And if you want to know, I'll tell you. Not publicly here. But to, to finish paying for the tracks we pulled out. God wanted them to go into the, into the homes and habitats of the people of Albury that they might hear the word of the Lord. It might be the last time or first time they ever hear it, and it might be the last time. And so from the right, they didn't quit. They worked from sun up to, to the stars were shining, till the moon was shining. I remember, I can, I've done it. <laughs> you get there when the sun's coming up, and you go to work on the bulldozers in times past, and you work, and I actually... Working at Yak and Dan, there's a lot of spring dams I was building. And so if you started a job, you've got to finish it in the day. A paddock dam with a spring in it. Because if you don't, the next morning it'll have two or three feet of water in it. And you can't work that, it all turns to mud. And so I had lights. I put them on rubber mounts. They weren't the originals, but they were flipping all over the place. And they were like Google, Google eyes on an ant or on a bug. And, but I kept working into 10, 11 o'clock at night, or if it was moonlight, you'd turn them off and work in the moonlight. And these people were doing exactly that to get the job done. Look, the night is coming. The day is far spent. 
the day is at hand that the Lord is going to come and then it'll be just darkness in this world. Work while it's day. Let's put our hand to the plough and even into the night, labour into the wee hours of the morning and many pastors that I talk to do. You think, oh, I love to be the pastor. <laughs> yeah, you, people like that, I would say, would last a month. You don't know what it involves. You don't know about labouring for men's souls throughout the night, waking up during the night and praying and preparing and, and getting things. You say, well, is that all, it's all head work? Yeah, I would like to do physical work. To, but, folk, it's a spiritual work and it's got to be done by those that are committed to the Lord. Work from day up, um, from sunrise to, to after sunset. Likewise, at the same time, I said unto the people, let everyone with his servant <clears throat> lodge within Jerusalem. Don't go home. Lodge in Jerusalem so you're easy, easy access to the work. That in the night <clears throat> there may be a guard to us and labour in the day. Work day and night. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me nor none of us put off our clothes except that everyone put them off for washing. They were sincere. They were committed. They were dedicated. They weren't fearing what was going on. They were not afraid. <clears throat> they put their mind to it and they worked and they got, they got the job done, as I said earlier, in 52 days. A miracle. <laughs> but it's because people did it. They moved the rocks around. God didn't. They didn't say, move that rock, Lord, and put it in. No, they did it. God uh, used them, and God can use us. Fight for your brethren. Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. Well, that's who we're fighting against. <clears throat> the accuser of our brethren, as written in Revelation 12.7-11. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. James five eleven, Behold, we count them happy that endured. We see the end of Job and the patience of the Lord and the patience of Job, how he, he endured through there in James five eleven. First 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your work in the Lord is not in vain. First Corinthians 16 and 13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. <clears throat> yes, this is what we need to do. And probably above a lot of things, we need to watch. We need to watch, we need to be looking out because... The Lord's coming. First Thessalonians five, four to eight, first Peter four, verse seven. And throughout the Gospels it tells us to watch, to be ready, to be on alert. God undergirds our persistence and our perseverance as we labour in the work. Praise God, as I said, for the faithful men and women and young people, young adults that labour in the work here. <clears throat> we couldn't do it without Without them, without togetherness, as the Bible talks about. God promises his presence in persecution also. We'll only do two points. The first one we've just finished, and the second one was the ninth of the series. God promises his presence. Over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 43, and verse 2. And Jeremiah had it tough. He was the weeping prophet. He was 
He was there when Jerusalem was captured, when the Babylonians came down. And he would preach the word and nobody would listen. (laughs) Jeremiah, you're crazy. Don't believe a word of what Jeremiah says. (laughs) And that's what the world's saying about Christians today. Don't want all this stuff about the Lord coming and about a flood and about a fire. Don't believe it and one day they'll wake up too late. Too late. In Nehemiah, I mean Jeremiah 43, verse 2, Then spoke Azariah, the son of Hosiah, and Jothan, and the son of Korah, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely, the Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. These were the ones that left after the third captivity that Nebuchadnezzar and his army left in Jerusalem. Jeremiah chose to stay with them. And they all wanted to go. They asked Jeremiah, should we go to Egypt or should we stay here? They feared the Babylonians, so I'll come back again. The Egyptians, I was better. <clears throat> and, and Jeremiah, of course, asked the Lord, and the Lord said no. And Jeremiah said, no, don't go down to Egypt. You'll all die there. You'll never come back. <clears throat> and these proud men said to Jeremiah, thou speakest falsely. Thou speakest not as the Lord. The Lord's not sent you to say, go not into Egypt. And folk do that to us today and mock. The Lord's not said that. The Lord, that's not what the Bible says there. When we take it literally, when we take it in its context, when we take it there, as far as culture is concerned, we can see what it means and we can say it dogmatically and confidently. And then chapter 44 and verse 15, then all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods and all the women who stood by a great multitude, even all the people who dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros answered Jeremiah. Now they're down in Egypt. They're gone down there. And they're, they're all this great multitude of Jews that went from there and deserted Jerusalem, left it to the, the donkeys and the asses and the, and the hawks and the eagles and the hyenas, whatever else wandered around there, wild animals. As for, the word, as for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto it. Folk everywhere are not hearkening to the word of the Lord today. And this is what they're saying to a Jeremiah. And poor old Jeremiah just telling the truth, just saying what God said, just preaching the word. In verse 17, But we will certainly do whatever thing that goeth forth out of our own mouth. Isn't that what people say today? We will put our interpretation onto the Bible over top of God's mind. We think we know better than God, is what they're saying. That's what this crowd said down in Egypt. To burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her. As we have done, we and our fathers, hey, didn't they get it? That's why they were in captivity. That's why Nebuchadnezzar come and beat them up. God had him as his servant to come and fight against Jerusalem because they had done this very thing. And now they're saying, this is what our father's done. This is what we're going to continue to do. You know, we've been in this denomination. We've been in that denomination. We, we, we know better. We've learned from all that. And you know, I, I am amazed that when people come to the church here, for a start they say, great, the preaching of the word is sound, it's solid, and I enjoy it. And after about a year and a half, two years, they want, they want to bring in to the church here 
what they've learnt in these other churches. And they want to corrupt it, just the plain teaching of God's word. What about this? What about that? You're wrong on this. You know, they're all excited. And we say, bye-bye, see you later. You don't fit in here. Round peg, trying to fit in a square hole, won't work. And you must go because you're not going to change our mind on the matter. We're not going to do it that way or whatever it is, the principles and philosophies of which you want to corrupt us with. And this is what they said there to Jeremiah, our fathers, our kings and our princes, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and we were well and saw no evil. We were, you know, you know what? allowed them to have such a good life in Jerusalem when they were worshipping false gods. It was the mercy and the grace of God that his wrath didn't fall earlier and now they're presuming that that's what kept them worshipping false gods. That what, that's what blessed them and not the God of heaven. Uh, <clears throat> poor old Jeremiah. He promises to be with these sort of people that labour in the Lord. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out our drink offerings unto her. We have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. This is complete reverse to truth. This is what I was talking about earlier, complete lies. You know, if you're big, you're blessed. And it doesn't say that in Scripture. Mega churches. Praise God if they're preaching the word, but if they're not preaching the word, and if they got to the point where they are and being mega church by compromise, God is not in it. It's the work of men, the work of men's hands and not of God. And you can read on there in that. But also Ezekiel, who was a prophet to those in exile, in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verses 4 to 6, we read this. For they are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. He was ministering to the ones up in Babylon, not to the ones in Egypt. I just send thee unto them, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. And they, whether they will hear, whether they will forbear. For they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. Ezekiel, just preach the word. Just preach the word like Jeremiah did, <clears throat> is down there in in Egypt, just keep preaching a word. Whether they And they will know that one day they heard a prophet say that. One day they heard a preacher saying that was right. And shamefacedly they'll have to bow if they're believers before the Lord and say, Oh Lord, why didn't I believe it? And thou son of man, be not afraid of them. Yeah, don't be afraid of these people that speak error, that try to make you and convince you to go the wrong way. Neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell in them among scorpions. That's what he called them, scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks. They are a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear, whether they will forbear. For they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like the rebellious house. God's saying to the preacher, just keep preaching the word. Don't stop. Don't be convinced. Don't be threatened. Don't be afraid of these people. And the scroll was in, in chapter 3 of Ezekiel and verse 7 and 9, he says this. <clears throat> but the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee. 
Ezekiel, for they will not hearken unto me. If they're not going to listen to God, they're not going to listen to the preacher. They're not going to listen to the prophet. My prayer for people that rebel, that want to turn us in the wrong direction, is God open their eyes before it's too late for them, for misery awaits them. Well, not hearken unto me, and all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made the, thy face strong against their faces, face to face, and they, their foreheads strong against <coughs> thy forehead strong against their foreheads. This is like button heads. Some people you can butt heads with all life doesn't change their idea of truth. Like an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Now, Ezekiel, you're made for the job. Stick at it. Don't give up. Don't be afraid. Don't whinge and whine. Don't back off. Neither be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears, and go and get them, get thee to them of the captivity, unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them and tell them, Thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. What does he say? Keep doing it. Even if you're one in number, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, just keep preaching the word. They'll say, everybody's against you. Yeah, everybody's against us. But God's for us and he's the majority. Always. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And our reading from last week. I'm trying to look at the clock here at the same time. From Matthew chapter 10 that we didn't preach on. I've not even got to it today. That was last week's reading. Matthew chapter 10, 26 says, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Praise God, one day he's going to open it up and say, this is what was going on. <laughs> and reveal the hidden things that shall be known. What I tell thee in darkness, speak in light. And what thou hear in the ear, that preach upon the housetops. We won't stop preaching it. No sense trying to change this old fella. He's close to the other end of ministry. What's the use of changing now when we've laboured trying to preach the word to, of truth to people? How fearful it is to hear and to see faces that once were in this building out in the world in sin. And it seems when they go out in sin, when they've heard the truth, they go worse than unsaved people, as it were, into terrible things and sin. Don't fear them. 28, verse 28, And fear not them who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Oh, how many martyrs died thinking of this verse. They kill the body, cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, Ye are more value than many sparrows. What a blessing to finish on a thought like that. Don't fear. God promises his presence. And lo, he said in Matthew 28, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, and we're almost there. I think we are there. Most preachers who know Bible and prophecy say we are there. Are we there yet? Yes, Father. Father says, yes, you're almost there. You know, <clears throat> he's with us until the end. 
even to the end of the age. Praise God, he's with us. At this time, we're going to have Catherine sing for us a closing hymn. I'll get this one right. That's hymn number 262, Trusting Jesus, That Is All, and enjoy it. And we'll see you here prayer meeting on Wednesday. For your children's sake and for your family's sake, get to church. We still can. We could be closed down again. But we can still meet. Come and enjoy it while you can and the fellowship. God bless you till we meet again.